0: Good morning, folks. If it sounds like my voice is a little strange, you better believe it is. I was up over at Zeke Rewards almost all last week talking about how to be a network marketer. You guys know, most of the time I say, if you're in network marketing, act like it. And that's what we were talking about. Definitely a controversial company, one that is on the move, one that is growing but what excites me more than anything is that I always get to meet rock star, great, average, everyday, grassroots distributors. And that is the fun thing. That is what I look forward to. You know, it's easy to to hobnob with great people. I mean, I think every one of us want to do that. When I got home, a good friend of mine had sent me an autographed copy of John Maxwell's book, Five Levels of Leadership. He knew I loved John. He was out having some some quality time with John himself sent me that book. To me, that is that is powerful. I love that. But at the end of the day, what I love the most is hanging out and talking with average, everyday folks. Today we are in Chapter 5 of John Acuff's book, Quitter, Closing the Gap Between Your Day Job and Your Dream Job. John now is a leading uh, message bearer with with. Uh, Dave Ramsey's organization, and he didn't start out that way. This kid's in his 30s, started writing a blog, and then moved up from there. Some powerful, powerful stuff. But that's what I love. See, Dave, if you this when, when people come together doing what it is that they love, following their dreams, what happens is you see them walk their walk. I've been around Dave Ramsey for years because of the Catalyst organization, and literally – I watched Dave write a book called Entre Leadership. We've done it here on the radio show. Walking his walk. And now he is raising up new message bearers, John, Dave's daughter, Rachel, others. It's phenomenal. But waiting on the main stage, John's friend said, we've got to get you on the main stage. His friend was talking about the fact that Catalyst had called and asked John if he would speak at all three of their events in 2011. Not on the main stage, but in labs. See, as as an A-team member at Catalyst, what ends up happening is we have two major days of the event, Thursday and Friday. But on Wednesday, we tell people, come on in, we're going to do labs. It's like a precursor to the main event. Over 45 labs, 4,000 people show up. John happens to be one of those speakers. He's never yet been able to be on the main stage to speak in front of 13,000, 14,000 people. So here's what you've got to ask yourself. On your way to the main stage, is it good to wait? See, in John's case, he gets to talk intimately to a room full of maybe upwards to a few hundred people. Usually it's about 45 or 50. Would you rather be on the main stage talking to thirteen, fourteen thousand 14,000 people who never get to know you on that intimate level, never get to know who you really are? This week I spoke to a crowd of about 650, 675 a few years ago, you wouldn't catch me speaking to 35. It's a powerful time when you're able to put that much influence into somebody else's lives. But it's hard for people around you to understand it's not about how large the crowd is, it's about what you speak into their lives. And it's better to wait than it is to go up there prematurely. See, I would rather everybody slow down to the lab level. That to prematurely get on the main stage and flounder because you don't have any time. But here's what happens and we all fall into this and this is what today's radio show is about. It's about the plan, the myth of writing a plan. Now don't get me wrong, plans are important and John writes about that. He says, and it's funny how he starts this because it's so it's so unique. He says, you would start today if you had a good plan. You would begin radically changing your life and quite possibly the lives of everyone around you if you had a decent plan in front of you. He says, don't get me wrong. Plans are important for everything from budgets to getting a business off the ground. A plan is necessary as part of any endeavor. But something really weird happens when we use them to execute, not to get started on our dreams. See, why is it that we think we've got to have a plan for our dreams? It's because somebody said we did, and that is the most obnoxious thing and, and and most bodacious lie. I don't even think it's a myth that I've ever seen. Now, I'm not saying you don't have a, an outline. I'm not saying that you don't have a blueprint. Hey, this is the direction we're going. I think all that stuff. But like John, for some daggum reason, we think that we got to have every I dotted and every T crossed going for our dream when there's nowhere in history that we're able to see that ever happen. John writes this, when we think of obstacles that stand between us and how we want to live, we rarely we rarely would excuse our desire to have a plan as being one of them. A plan is always present as a smart, logical step in whatever you want to do. Plans are mature, they are wise, they are critical, but like a lot of other good things in life, they can get corrupted. And if we look at them the wrong way, we start to believe the plan myth. <coughs> excuse me. See, the plan myth is that tiny little voice that pipes up whenever we bump into people who are going, who are doing things that we want to do. When confronted with someone else who is in the field or industry or dream we want for our own lives, we automatically assume they were looking at the fruitation of a long, detailed plan. We believe that years ago on a blank wall, like in the movie Ocean's Eleven, a person mapped out their entire life. Has anybody ever done that? I mean, I don't even think President Obama did that. He seems to have to be somebody that always has a plan. I'm telling you, it doesn't happen that way. Matter of fact, John says this, no. That individual had a vision and the dream to actually plan out what was going to happen, and now it is. Now, it has come to pass. He did not have a plan, and we need one. And and he did have a plan, and we need one too. That's what we think. We think that until it's in place, there's really no point getting started. We need to plan first and then act. We need to be meticulous and detailed in the way just like an architect. That's And that's where we, we just stop. We never go for a dream. It's crazy, isn't it? See, I believe that when there's a dream, it's, it, it, it's a passion. See, so we look at plans and we get we get challenged we get we get frustrated. You want to why? Because a million things happen in our day and it screws up our plan. John says so we freeze. We pause, we get stuck, but here's the secret, something that he found a little surprising. The most successful people in the world often don't start with a detailed plan. I can test to that. I've seen them. They start with a little idea on a piece of notebook or or a napkin a lot of times. See if you think think about it. just Slow down for a second. The most dramatic success stories you ever heard are also the most inspirational that move your heart and your mind. They're not born from people who mechanically followed an orchestrated step in a plan to reach those dreams. They're stories that grip us about lives where someone lived their passion long enough that it became the end result. All of a sudden, they reached it. I don't know how many of you have heard Malcolm Gladwell. He's another Catalyst speaker. He wrote Blink and the Tipping Point. And Malcolm said, I didn't plan or predict the success of Tipping Point. You know, if 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 he had planned it, it would have happened a long time ago. But that's not it. John wrote this. Why wait until you're in your 30s or 40s? Why not just become hugely successful right away? See, if Plan succeeded, we would all have a plan and... And shoot, we'd come out of high school and we'd all become millionaires within just a few years because of our plan. We wouldn't have to worry about, what do they, what do they call it, uh, class warfare but just be financially independent. See, that isn't that isn't the way it works. Lord knows we want it to work that way. and That makes it easy. But too many times we get into the plan myth because that's what we're taught. See, think about it for a minute. The average day carries more variables than the average soccer game. You honestly think the goalie just cooked the winning goal, had some big creative plan, knew exactly what movie he was going to make, the arch of the ball? This, this isn't golf. Even golf, I don't think they really have a plan. Swing, hit the little ball, hope it sails right. I'm not saying you don't study, you don't coach out, you don't, you don't train, you don't stay focused. What I'm saying is you can't get bogged down in it. Like I said, you're going to get out a map. You're going to know the direction you're going to go, but there's going to be obstacles that crop up. And you don't want the plan myth to paralyze you. The plan isn't the first thing you need. Usually it's about the third or fourth. First thing you need. Write this down. The first thing you need. John, John, see, John just puts it. Him and Ramsey both are, are so wonderful at this. They just put this stuff in easy Easy way to understand. But the first thing you need is passion. How many times have you guys heard me say that over the years? It's the driving passion inside your heart that takes you to the next level. I had a guy send me an email today. And it's funny how anonymous bloggers do their their stuff out there. He said, Troy, do you get paid by this company called Zeke Rewards? I wrote him back. I sent him to the disclaimer on my blog. And I said, you know what? They cover my expenses. I'm coming in there to talk to distributors about how to do their business correctly. Uh, That's what's funny to me. But you want to know who starts out trying to show that everybody else has an agenda? I'll tell you. Anonymous bloggers. Anonymous people. People that hide. You want to know why? Here's what I've come up with. I think John mentions this later in his book. Here's what I've come up with. When we play anonymously, no matter what area of life it is, it's easier to always look at somebody else who's succeeding, who's following their dreams, And make excuses for why they're succeeding. Those excuses get into our brain and they hold us back because we say to ourselves, Well, if I just stay over here and I don't really go out there and make the waves they're making, then I'll be safe. See, what you've got to do is you've got to have that passion. The reason I'm able to go out there, the reason that we do what we do today, is because I have a driving passion to change people's lives. I want to influence people's lives in the direct selling industry the way nobody else ever has. And the reason I want to do that is because having walked through this for 30 years, having been at the bottom, running companies, owning companies, being an advocate, I've seen it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And if I can go out there and share with people and, and get them to understand, you've got to do a little due diligence. This is a business, not some get-rich-quick deal. You've got to do it right, then things can change. The second thing John says you have to do is you've got to practice. Art Williams used to say this to us all the time. you got to practice, practice, practice. He'd say you got to do it, do it, and do it. The more you practice, the more you're going to learn. Now, now i got to tell you, get a coach. Okay, don't be practicing something incorrectly. If you are, then you're just going to continue doing it wrong all the time. I learned that a long time ago. You want to practice correctly. You want somebody to hold you accountable. Then number three. This is probably well before I go to number 3 listen to this cuz this I thought this was humorous too. And he talks about something that Warren Buffett says. And I think a lot of times we don't even we don't even think about this. But Warren said this. Third richest man on the planet said there's no place where we turned on the switch. So much just happened by accident. It does show up it does show the value of showing up every day. See, I believe if you've got that passion If if you're willing to practice, if you show up every day, then here's what eventually is going to take place. You're going to start seeing the direction you're going, and you're going to make some plans to be able to hit some objectives along the way. See, when I was in the Marine Corps, and we sat down and we created the the, the mission, the mission was always created after the objective. See, we automatically knew we've got to go take that hill. We've got to take out that bunker. So after we knew what the main objective was, then did we make the mission? It's interesting the correlation that John makes here. He is under the age of thirty, or around thirty. He's under. He's he's in that Gen Y section, kicking butt and taking names. And yet most of the time we don't get it right. See, after you identify your dream and you make a habit of showing up every day, then you start detailing out. Your plan. See, this is what kicks butt. This is how you take it to that next level. Have a passion, practice it, then plan it. Focus on your passion first. Your passion will always fuel your plan. Rarely does the plan fuel the passion. This is why I tell people, don't follow a comp plan based on money you'll lose every time. See, I believe that success in life <clears throat> is more of a David and Goliath story than a Cinderella story. And you may be saying, Troy, I don't I don't see the difference. But I'm going to tell you what the difference is. John puts it clearly in this book. If you go buy the book Quitter, you're going to know it too. Let me get a drink. But here's what John says. Cinderella's hinge moment started when she was at the ball and dropped her slipper when she had to be back home before midnight. The next day, they're going through the town looking for her. They found her, the slipper fit, and she lives happily ever after as the princess. And Disney made an ungodly amount of money on the franchise. But in David and Goliath, <clears throat> if you know the story, it didn't work out that way. Now... John, kind of humorous, he said, I think David's dad, Jesse, must have loved him like Cinderella's stepmom loved her. Because when the prophet said, bring all your sons in, the Lord wants to anoint one of them to be the next king. He brought all of his big boys in. He left his little one in the field taking care of the sheep. Interesting. Jesse didn't think about his son with the sheep. Yet the sheep's how they all ate. The prophet said, none of these are them. Do you have one more? Well, I got this scrawny little fart of a teenager that we got out in the... And and trust me, folks, he wasn't no scrawny little fart either. I love the way we all think about that because he was the youngest. But, man, he was killing animals with his bare hands and and fighting off lions. I mean, it it is interesting. If you ever talk to a shepherd, matter of fact, if you ever seen a shepherd boy, uh, you'd realize that boy is not really a good word to use there. But see, even after David was anointed to be king, he went back out to take care of sheep. It wasn't until sometime later when when his dad said, Hey, will you take lunch to your brothers who are fighting the Philistines on the front line? Now I'm assuming that they did that because the guys sat around telling lies to each other. I'm going to beat you up. My sword's bigger than your sword. My king's sexier than your king, whatever the heck it was. David shows up. Now he's not the king of Israel. That he he's built like a brick house, so even the even the armor doesn't fit David at the time. But David's just there to do nothing more than deliver lunch. And because he's a cocky teenager, he says, What are y'all afraid of, man? Just go kill the son of Buck. Our God's with us. So the king and the troops all looked at him and said, You think you're that tough, you go out there and kill him. David said, Okay. Goes, picks up five stones, slings that slingshot because that's what he'd been using to, to fight off animals. And hits Goliath right between the eyes. Lays him out. You would think he'd become king, but he didn't. Not for many years later. did David set on the throne that as a teenage boy he was anointed to set on. See, sometimes it takes a while for our dreams to get going. There's another story about Joseph. Joseph was another youngest brother. Because his older brothers didn't like all of his dreams, they threw him in a pit, sold him to traders, and he went to Egypt. In Egypt, he was falsely falsely accused of having sex with his master's wife because she wanted this kid so bad he was built like a brick house, probably the, the first cougar that was out there. And he spent years in prison before one of his dreams came true that he would lead a nation that his brothers would bow down before him. It was almost, almost 20 years, I think, before he became the prime minister of Egypt. His brothers came in because there was famine in Israel. Egypt had all the food because he had lived his plan. They put it away. They didn't recognize him. They bowed to him and he said, I am your brother. It's amazing when we see the coalitions of dreams. Nobody starts at the top. It takes a while to get there. Even little Miley Cyrus, who had a dad who had already been famous and made millions, started with a little t v show on Disney, watched by kids and worked her way up. Now she's happened to do it all over again. I know John's feeling when he says he wants to speak at Catalyst and be on the main stage. I've walked across that stage for several years. I've never once had the privilege of being on it, but someday I'd love to be. I'd just love to speak at the labs, to be honest. But you got to be prepared. you got to be ready for it. I know I'm probably not ready, and good Lord, open the door one day if I am. See, right now, John writes this. This is powerful. The size of your dream probably outweighs your ability by at least tenfold. But you've got to have a big dream. Start small, start slow, get better along the way, and enjoy the gift of making many of your early mistakes without any major audience. Man, I remember when I started my blog, I screwed up all the time. Now I take my time and I do it right. I'll put up some blogs a little later again on Zeke because that's where we've been focusing some time this month. It's growing like crazy. A few years ago, we didn't have people on our blog. Now we have radio shows that tens of thousands of people listen to every month. We have hundreds of thousands of people that go to our blog and read the articles. We have tens of thousands of people that are friends on Facebook and and the social profiles, we impact close to 5 million people worldwide. It's no little feat. It's no little endeavor. It started with a dream. It's become a reality. We helped launch the Home Business Radio Network. Our Beachside CEO show is now one of the most listened to shows over there. Our newscasts are heard around the globe because of a dream a dream to think outside the box. A dream that didn't take a really a plan. We just knew the direction we wanted to go. We knew there were so many circumstances out there that, that, that might derail us, but we kept our focus. We kept moving forward. We kept going in the direction we were supposed to go. And I believe that's what you do. See, when you start something new, you want it to be successful right away. We all do. You want it to grow, to get visible quickly but there's always problems with visibility. Now I have I have anonymous bloggers that want to attack me as the messenger when all I do is share a different viewpoint than theirs. I try to give a good balanced approach. We link to a lot of critical websites and say here's what the other side's saying, but here's what I see from an insider's view. And people get freaky. It's kind of amazing. See, John says, anonymity allows you to make big mistakes, gross mistakes, without everyone watching. Anonymity is the best creative lab because you've got nothing to lose. Anything is possible. Anything is on the table. There's no expectations to miss, no fans to disappoint, no follow-up fears. Now, every time I write, every time I do a post, I caution myself and I wonder... I try to remember the golden rule. I believe that's what you have to do. See, I don't have the freedom anymore of making mistakes on my own. Not at all. It's interesting. There's a hip hop singer called Eminem. <clears throat> he grew up in my hometown. He got big, got hooked on drugs. He watched his uncle get killed in front of him. When he overcame his drug addiction, one of the things that John writes in here is about an article he'd read. He said it would drive back to his small house he grew up in, set slouched in his car so people couldn't tell it was him, and reminisce about a time in life when everything was simpler. He said, It may sound corny, but I go by and I try to remember how things were when we were in those houses, I so thought that was pretty powerful. See, as time goes by, you might get you might get in a situation where you forget about the good times. You forget about where you're at, what you were doing. You want to go back to a simpler time in life. See, we may never be like Eminem, we may never understand that. But we're always gonna treasure a time when our dream job wasn't just a dream. So I think you gotta stay dangerous, you gotta stay bold. You gotta keep going where no one else has gone before. But you've also got to realize there's gonna be some dry spells, there's gonna be some times when you're when you're doing things that just isn't gonna work out quite the way you want it to. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. And take it from somebody knows. It's better to make mistakes on a small stage than a large stage. I made a mistake one day and announced that Randy Gage had quit the company he was with, and it was bogus. I found out my information had not been the truth. I thought it came from a reliable source, so I didn't check it. My mistake. I had to turn around and do a gigantic post back and correct it. Don't do that. Take your time and wait on the main stage. Tomorrow, there will be Hustle, Chapter 6. It's great. John Acuff's book, Quitter. Hey, folks, if you want to hear more, go to the dot com. If you've got an iPhone or an Android, you can download the app. Listen to us 24-7. Some of the greatest music and talk show hosts. In the home based business arena today. Live life like it's an epic adventure. And remember this stay dangerous, stay bold. We'll see you here tomorrow on RealMentorsRadio.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office.